Hello, everyone. I'm Lindsay Coughlin. When I'm not hustling around the halls of a level one trauma center emergency department as a PA, I am hosting the Motherhood Meets Medicine podcast. This show brings all women together. It's for those who hope to be a mom one day, those who are already mothers, and mothers of mothers. Motherhood Meets Medicine will give you candid, informal interviews from medical experts on motherhood topics that you can listen to while you're driving to work, folding laundry, or whatever else your busy day may bring. Listen to Motherhood Meets Medicine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, the host, and I take you on the journey of my own trauma healing and share real, raw, and authentic life situations. My mission is to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you, provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need, and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. If you haven't yet, click the follow button and leave a review. Also, check out the Habits You Love community on Facebook where you can find even more resources, healing practices, and support. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, guys, welcome back. This is technically season two. I released season one all at once in the form of an audiobook. So if you have not listened to that, I highly recommend going back and listening to season one where I share most of my story. I mean, I just feel like there's so much, so much I have to say. So this is why I'm continuing the conversations, kind of going into a deeper dive into some of the topics that I did discuss in my story, I kind of went through and I just chose some important topics that I think are super important to talk more about, talk deeper into, get to know more. Because I I assume, because this is how I was, I was very unaware of all these topics. So if you're listening now and you're like, I've never done self-healing, I don't even know what emotional intelligence is, I've never been aware of my feelings or emotions, how do you even start to work on yourself? What is a self-healing journey? All the things, just know I have been there too. But I will say it is the most important work and job you can do on yourself. Okay, so the first topic that I want to take a little bit dive deeper dive into was briefly mentioned in episode one talking about childhood programming. So what is childhood programming? Think about your life right now. Right now, think about who you are as a person, your situation, your environment, your circumstances, everything. That all did not happen by accident. You get to where you are, wherever you are in your stage of life, by programming. Essentially, these are loops picked up in your childhood that stuck with you and made this like vortex or a tornado of thoughts and beliefs. And that is how you operate and make your decisions. And these were unconsciously taught to you by your parents or your primary caretakers, whoever that may be. So a couple of ways that our caretakers, whoever that is, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever your situation... So these are the ways that our 
caretakers, whoever that may be in your life, can unconsciously teach us things that play vital roles in our lives. So the first one is our adult relationship dynamics. Any dating experiences you've had, any past experiences, high school, college, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever that may be, if you're like constantly looking at your relationship dynamics or even friendships too, and they are kind of sucky. You have to look back and and wonder why you get into those situations. Is that something you're demonstrating or reflecting or mirroring from your caretakers? If your caretakers had drama in their lives, in all of their relationships, are you having drama in your lives and all your relationships? So that is one way our parents unconsciously teach us is how we play out in our relationships. Number two, how to have or not have clear boundaries. So if your parents didn't set boundaries, you saw them not set boundaries, you saw them get all walked all over or just didn't ever tell you how to set boundaries, how to express your feelings, know your worth, anything like that. This can play a role in your life if you do not have boundaries or have them. Um, That is you picking that up from your caretakers. Number three, core beliefs about who we are. This would be your parents or caretakers pouring into you emotionally saying positive things about you, telling you to repeat or say affirmations about yourself in positive ways, building those morals, building those values. So you always, always know who you are down at your core. If you are a good person with good morals, with good values, you want good things for other people or Maybe it's the opposite and you feel like you don't have good morals or values and you wonder where you got those. This is unconscious programming from your caretakers. Number four, how to regulate or respond to our emotions. This is one I was not given. I was not taught at all how to manage, regulate, feel my emotions or feelings. So a lot of this I think is seeing our parents and how they dealt with their emotions, you are definitely going to reflect a mirror what you saw growing up as a child. So if you saw your parents, your mom or your dad, whoever, if they completely shut down in the face of confrontation, avoided, didn't want to talk, didn't want to have serious conversations, got defensive, that is probably how you are playing out in your emotions as well. So this is something that we unconsciously learn from our parents. Whether or not they are meaning to or not, it always goes back to people will only meet you where they are emotionally. So not to say any parent is doing this on purpose. This could just mean that that's as far as they've gone or have gotten in their emotional journey themselves. And you can't teach or practice or show or reflect anything other than as far as you know. So again, like not to say that these things are on purpose because most of the time they're not. And looking back at my parents, I know they weren't on purpose. It was just as far as they were emotionally in their own lives. And they were just doing the best they could with what they knew. Okay. Number five, how to treat ourselves. This definitely gets reflected back from the way that we see our parents. If your mother is constantly nitpicking at her image, at her, at herself, picking out all of her insecurities, her flaws, constantly complaining, constantly thinking there's work to do. She needs this. She needs that. Her hair, nails, body, skin, whatever. 
especially as a daughter, you're going to see all that and think that is just normal, that that is how women act, that that is you should grow up and constantly be nitpicking at yourself. So I I think that's a big one, especially for women. We, We can really do this very unconsciously, very unaware that we are doing it. We'll just say something. We'll just say a negative thing about ourselves off the cuff, not even really realizing who is around to listen. And that could be your daughter right in front of you, listening, seeing, witnessing that and thinking that is normal for us to do. So as women, especially, I think we really need to be more conscious and aware of what we are saying to ourselves when we say it and just trying to stop that talk altogether. So according to the National Center for Safe and Supportive Learning Environments, there are five key things that a strong emotional development will lead to. These are the five, self-awareness, social awareness, emotional regulation, responsible decision-making, and relationship building. So all of these skills influence the kids' success at school, at home, in their communities, in social settings, and in society. But on the other hand, which is so sad because I feel like the latter is what's mostly portrayed out in the world these days is those who are not given emotional guidance often struggle emotionally, academically, physically, and behaviorally. If you cannot notice, express, or manage your emotions, it's so incredibly difficult to focus on school, make friends, or work together as a team in a social setting. So I want to talk a little bit about childhood emotional neglect, which I think goes into childhood programming. This is when a child's parent or parents fail to respond adequately to their child's emotional needs. So I'm not saying that this is abuse because we all know that abuse is usually intentional. So emotional neglect is not a childhood abuse. Abuse is a purposeful choice to act in a way that is harmful. We all know that. So emotional neglect can be an intentional disregard for a child's feelings. It can also be failure to act or notice a child's emotional needs. So parents who are emotionally neglecting their children may still provide care and necessities. They just miss out on or mishandle this one key area of support, which is their emotions. This is 100% me. 100% my story, you guys. I love my parents. I love my dad. I love my mom. I will never intentionally talk bad about them, and this is not to attack them in any sort of way. This is just what I experienced, and I felt like I was emotionally neglected. I grew up as an adult not knowing how to manage regulate or feel my emotions. And that's not a coincidence. That's not happenstance. That is real. That is something that I I didn't get as a child. So here are a couple of key takeaways from childhood emotional neglect. This is when parent figures don't have the awareness or resources to notice, respond, or help you work through your emotions. Usually emotional neglect is unconscious. We live in a society that does not give parents the tools to deal with their own emotions, let alone the emotions of their children. So emotional neglect can look like this. Not talking to or supporting a child after stressful or overwhelming situations so avoidance or denial, chronically invalidating a child's feelings like get over it, man up, you have no reason to be sad, that didn't happen, kind of making them feel crazy or belittling them, not getting to know a child for who they truly are, so the inability to connect with the child, 
dumping intense emotional information onto your children. So for instance, your father is always with other women or your mom is crazy. A focus of attention or love on a child only when they achieve or produce. And then acting as if a child is a peer or an adult from an early age. So how do you know if you may be emotionally neglected? I'm going to go over a couple of ways that you can maybe as an adult recognize some of these things and maybe you have some of them. So these are the most common effects of childhood neglect in your adulthood. Post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, emotionally unavailable, increasing likelihood for an eating disorder, shunning intimacy, feeling deeply personally flawed, feeling empty, poor self-discipline, guilt and shame, anger and aggressive behaviors, and difficulty trusting others or relying upon anyone else. I have had most of these effects, especially the guilt and shame, especially anger and aggressive behaviors, feeling empty, poor self-discipline. I mean, just a lot of them. And it isn't always the parent's fault. Like I said, people are simply only meeting you where they are emotionally. So whenever we experience emotional neglect, the message to us is this. Our feelings don't matter. Something is wrong with us or the way we are feeling. We must hide our emotions because people are not going to support us through them. As adults, many people cope with childhood emotional neglect by desperately seeking approval from their parents or by becoming a false version of themselves that gets societal approval. They also feel empty or like life is pointless, meaningless, or struggle with intense feelings of shame that they either direct at themselves or project onto others around them. So adults who've experienced childhood emotional neglect tend to deeply want emotional connection and relationships, yet they don't know how to get it and often fear it or feel overwhelmed by it. If you don't know if you have been emotionally neglected as a child or and you're maybe getting the sense that that could be true for you, here are some signs that you were raised by emotionally immature parents. So like I said, like this could they could have unconsciously been doing this to you, not on purpose, not in an abusive way, but just a lack of regard for their own awareness. So here are some signs. When things didn't go the way your parent wanted them to, they coped with childlike behavior, lashing out, silent treatment, or blaming others. As a result of this, you might struggle with fear of conflict. You may not know how to take responsibility for your own behavior or become extremely emotionally activated when things don't go as planned. Another one is when you experience something hard or stressful, a parent always made the issue about them or how it made them feel or how it affected their own life. So as an adult, how this could show up is you might struggle with empathy, the ability to put yourself in another person's perspective. You might center conversations around your experience or chronically give unsolicited advice. A third reason is your parents confided in you about their relationship, problems, sex life, or work issues when you were a child because they didn't understand this wasn't appropriate. You might struggle with boundaries, may overshare information, or take on a caretaker or therapist role in your relationships. When you're talking to your parents who are emotionally immature, you may feel frustrated, like things are one-sided when you talk to them. 
For example, you share something important to you and they change the subject of or talk about themselves. So as a result, you might find yourself in relationships with people who are emotionally unavailable or dismissive because you've never had relationships with people who were able to meet your emotional needs or hold space for your own experiences. The only way, the only way anyone could ever get emotionally mature or intelligent or aware is by self-healing journey. Working through trauma, every single person has trauma, whether it be big or small, you guys. And our parents had trauma of their own. I never once saw my parents or heard my parents talk about like the past or things they might have gone through or worked on or anything. It was always so surface level, the conversations I saw them having. And it was just like life and kids and sports and distractions and events and parties and friends. And I just never witnessed any sort of emotional connection between my parents. I mean, I saw them be lovey-dovey and I saw them be flirty. I know both of my parents had trauma. I know that for a fact, especially my mom. I know she had so much trauma and I don't think she ever dealt with it. There were a couple of times I think I knew if she was going to therapy, but I don't even think she really believed in therapy. I want to take this a little step further and talk about some signs that you may have been raised by a mother or a father who had unresolved trauma. So if this is you, this is a mother with unresolved trauma. So here are some signs. Her relationships with her own family members were strained, lacked boundaries, or were overall dysfunctional. You feared her emotional reactions and felt like you were walking on eggshells or had to hide parts of yourself. She blamed you for a lot of issues within the home as a child, aka you made your father leave. I wouldn't be so stressed out if I didn't have to take care of you. My life was easier before you kids came along. She spent a lot of time comparing you to other people as a child, siblings, friends, coworkers, kids. She was highly critical of your physical appearance. You knew she loved you, but she struggled to express it or show physical affection. You feel like you are always trying to get her approval or be good enough for her and often felt like you didn't measure up. 100%. 100%. I have so many of these. Like I said, I know my mom had so much unresolved trauma, so much unresolved trauma. And I truly think, and I don't want anyone to get mad at me for saying this or get offended. This is my opinion. I think by working on her trauma, that could have saved her life. It could have saved her life. She was so lost. She was so, so, so lost. She's, she just felt no hope. She had no identity. She didn't know who she was. When you don't know who you are, you don't know what your purpose is in life. How could there be any reason to live? Okay, so some signs you were raised by a father who had unresolved trauma. There were lots of fractured relationships, grudges, or overall dysfunction within his family. He overshared intimate details of situations to you as a child. Your mother won't have sex with me. We would be divorced if it weren't for you. He struggled to show any physical affection or have any emotionally vulnerable conversations. He unconsciously shamed you for showing certain emotions. You're being dramatic. Man up. Don't be a baby. His presence was inconsistent, sporadic, or chaotic. He was critical of your physical appearance or your mother's physical appearance. He regularly mocked or teased you as a way to show affection. You loved him but never felt fully secure or safe around him due to emotional bursts or unexpected shifts in moods. So those are some signs that you may have been raised by a father who had unresolved trauma. Trauma healing is the 
best and most important job you could do on yourselves, you guys. As you can see, this can play out into generations, generations. It starts with someone. If that someone doesn't work on that, the next person won't, and the next person won't, and the next person won't. It is up to us to consciously make that decision to do that for ourselves. My trauma, my unresolved trauma stops with me. I am breaking that cycle. I will not, as good as my parents were, as good as they were to us by providing so much for us, our basic needs and necessities, I am breaking that cycle of unresolved trauma. I refuse to let trauma run my life. The reason I work so hard on myself is because I firsthand witnessed all of this emotional neglect, emotionally immature parents, parents who had unresolved trauma, and I saw the way it affected them. Firsthand, I witnessed this. I never, I never want to be in the position my mother was in. So much lack of self, so much unresolved trauma. So many things could have been prevented. I don't know who's going to get mad at me for saying this, but I, that, I don't care. That's my opinion. I think her unresolved trauma killed her. I think it did. I refuse to be in that situation. That's why I work so hard on myself and I chose this. It's conscious daily work. It's conscious daily work to not get into that position. So I'm not a mother. I'm a fur fur dog mama. I have a fur baby. I don't have children, but I did want to do some research for all the parents out there, some younger parents, people in their 30s that have small children, There is a small window of incredible growth in children before the age of five. Five, you guys. So it's crucial to cultivate from the very beginning, from birth to five. So here are the stages of emotional development that children go through and what you could do. So from birth to one is when babies are noticing their emotions. At this stage, an infant is discovering the world. Good things like cuddles, bad things like full diapers. They are noticing how everything makes them feel. So here is what you could do during this time to help with emotional development. Two things, encourage self-soothing. Though some are quick to discourage behaviors like thumb sucking, this helps children soothe themselves and is the first step to regulating emotion. It can be difficult not to step in and fix the issue, but if you want a child to be able to manage their emotions later on, it's important to let them figure out things on their own. Second thing you could do is show your emotion. No matter what stage, children mirror their caregivers. By matching a child's facial expressions and vocalizing your feelings, you can help a child notice both their emotion and yours. This will also help you practice being an emotional role model. The second stage of emotional development is the ages of two to three when they are expressing their emotions. As children develop a vocabulary and more independence, they will experiment with expressing emotion in new ways. Some of it will be productive, like drawing and narrating a picture of a scary monster under the bed. Some of it will be more like throwing a tantrum in the grocery store because they can't get the cheese puffs that they want, right? This can be very difficult stage for parents or adults as children experience complex emotions, but have not yet figured out healthy versus unhealthy expression. Two things you could do to help with this stage of emotional development. Give them language to name and explain. 
the best alternative to having a tantrum is being able to express emotion through words. If a child can say, I'm angry, or even better, I'm angry because he took my toy, they can focus on putting words to their feelings rather than melting down. This will help them feel more in control of their emotions. So kind of making them explain why they are feeling the way they are feeling. Provide positive reinforcement. There is certainly a time for the words, no, don't, stop, but if those are the only words you use, they can quickly lose power. Celebrate the little ways that children make progress by pointing out when they use their words or actions to positively express themselves. Instead of screams and kicks, you can build their self-confidence and encourage them to grow. And the last and final stage of emotional development is the age three to five. This is when they are managing their emotions. Woo, scary. Watch out. At this stage, children are ready to enter preschool. A new social environment and more independence provides a greater opportunity for growth, but also poses some new challenges. Sharing, listening, and playing together can cause friction between children. And since they cannot rely on their parents all the time anymore, they must develop new coping skills to manage their own emotions. Preschool caregivers play a vital role in this development as they create a safe space and offer guidance. So just be a little bit more cognizant and aware of who is taking care of your child during this time. It's a very important time in the child's emotional development. Two things you can do, give them strategies. Just as infants suck their fingers or clutch their blankets, preschoolers use tangible ways to deal with their intangible emotions. Going to a quiet place, deep breathing, and coloring are all good strategies. The goal is to help children learn what works for them. Do they need to be alone? Have you had a conversation? Or do they get distracted before they can process their feelings? Doing this before a child gets upset can go a long way toward influencing their behavior when they are upset. Number two, have realistic expectations. If you expect too much from a child, you're going to be disappointed and frustrated. Too much of this and a child will start to associate shame and anxiety with their emotions, something that can hurt their future development. On the other hand, if you expect too little, a child may learn unhealthy behaviors instead of developing effective skills. This is why it is so important to be aware of the different emotional stages. If you know that two-year-olds have tantrums, it's much easier to empathize with them and help them take the next steps in processing what's upset them. Okay, there's actually a bonus. There's a bonus for this age. Apparently, we need a lot of things for stages three to five. The last thing is validate, validate, validate. In order for a child to know that an emotion is manageable, they must first know that it is normal. If they feel like they are the only one who experiences frustration, they are more likely to believe that they are helpless to it. So say things like, this is very frustrating. I would be frustrated too. You can show them that feeling frustrated isn't bad while also normalizing their experience. This validation is key to building both self-confidence and a healthy response to emotion. So I want to leave you guys with some takeaways from this. It's a lot of information, a lot of dumping, and you're like, okay, 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 well now what do I do? Because I, I think I might have some emotional neglect and I think I might have some programming that I need to start working on. So here are a couple of questions you can ask yourself. And the goal here is to help you discover hidden obstacles 
to your mental and emotional well-being, put those obstacles in a healthy frame and help you move forward with your life. So the first one is this, which negative thoughts or feelings from the past still bother you today? Think about that for a while. As your thoughts come to mind, write them down. Act like you're a reporter. You're recording information from your unconscious mind. Write them down. Any negative thoughts or feelings from the past that still bother you today. Every single one you can think of. Number two, how old were you when you first heard that message? So identify the time period in your life when these messages began to appear. So most often the negative emotions will come from another person. So usually we don't create them on our own. You know, we see them, someone else doing them, someone else behaving in a certain way. And we begin to mirror those emotions and we start to feel like a bad way about them. You know how you get that feeling in your body. We're like, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. But Unfortunately, those loops and those behaviors and those thoughts can start looping in our brain and create our programming. Number three, identify the feelings in your body right now. So listening to those old voices, like I'm feeling sad, probably feels like a hollow feeling in your gut. And then try to scale it on a scale of one to 10. So I feel sadness at a four. At one time, I felt worthless. At another time, I felt resentful. Now I feel a little sad. How do you feel when you listen to these messages from that time period in your life? Where do you feel it? Describe the feeling and then rate how strongly it is on a scale of one to 10. Okay, this is the fun part. Make a statement of truth. This is the opposite of that negative emotion. This is a positive belief, a positive statement, a truth that you can start believing. You don't have to keep believing those lies anymore. So write a positive statement, almost like a mantra. Your statement of truth could be similar. It needs to be made in the present and include the age at which you began to feel this way and the intensity at which you feel it in the present. Then notice how much time has passed and acknowledge yourself for this time. So why should we notice how much time has passed? Because this helps put the message in perspective. For one, and messages that persist this long are very important to notice because they are probably the messages that are literally running your life. Not because they are true. They need to be addressed and healed. Most of us spend our lives trying to avoid these painful feelings, which I did for so long. And avoidance just perpetuates the pain and allows the negativity to persist. Running from pain only creates more pain. I can 100% back that up. Pain and negativity need to be acknowledged. This is how you heal yourself. Acknowledgement is huge and definitely the first step into your healing process. When someone owes you an apology, it's so easy to resent them. When they do apologize sincerely, it's easy to let it go. Why? (laughs) Because you were acknowledged. Your inner pain heals on the same principle, acknowledgement. Share when and where appropriate. Little by little, you will let go. And then the the sixth thing is see it from a mental distance. In order to have freedom from the past, once you've acknowledged the memories, push them off into the mental distance. Imagine them floating away and see yourself over there, like somewhere else, somewhere not with those feelings and emotions. Like crash them against a rock. See them floating down a stream, which is what I do. I picture my negative things in a bubble, and then I break that bubble against the side of like cave or a mountain, and then I see it flowing down a stream, and they're like 
washing away from me. So this is called disassociating. When you dissociate from something from a memory, you see yourself from a distance, like a neutral observer of that memory. From this perspective, you are no longer reliving the event, caught up in the emotion. It's extremely helpful when considering negative emotions. So see it over there, acknowledge once again, and then the very last thing is get on with your day. You've spent a little time consciously revisiting your past. Yay, good for you. (laughs) Take a deep breath and move on with your day. Don't sit there stewing, just get moving. Honestly, this is how life works. We all have pain. We've all suffered at the hands of others. No more time to blame, okay? We are taking responsibility for our life. Life still expects big things from us. You are no different. Even though you're working your way through negativity, your life is waiting for you to do great things. Please do them. (laughs) This is how you rise above your past and develop a new future, one that will inspire you and many others. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.